Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 106 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for being here. Now on today's show we are chatting with Chris Brown. Now Chris has been taking the Irish MTB Enduro scene by storm this season and uh, why he is on the podcast is because I recently found out that this is Chris's first year racing. Not only that, he hasn't been on a mountain bike for absolute years and he only stepped on a mountain bike a few weeks before actually entering his first race at Ravensdale and coming third. Now that's pretty amazing but we chat to him about why and the reason being Chris has a trials background so he comes from the motorbike section like Nathan McComb, like J. Mike, Rowan Dunn, all the guys that go real fast on their bike through our trails. So it was interesting to get him on the show because he's been doing so well this season. He just adapted. He converted all the skills from his trials background, which he's been riding since he's been six years old. So he's got a lot of experience in that. He was riding for uh, Ireland. He was riding across the water in the UK and England, doing very well, being very successful. But he decided to hang up his boots, uh, take a break, and do something slightly different away from the two wheels. But for some reason, mountain biking just grabbed him, pulled him in, and uh, he decided to get a mountain bike. He bought a mountain bike second hand. A couple of weeks later, he was racing in Ravensdale, and he came third, to his own surprise and everybody else's, I'm sure, around him. So we got Chris on the podcast to chat about this. I wanted to know how he managed to become so successful so quickly in the mountain biking and how he transferred all his skills from the trials bike to the mountain bike and um, how he managed to do that so seamlessly. Now, his season ended up with an injury at Castle Wellen where he cut his arm quite badly, had to go to A&E. Um, so it wasn't a, a perfect ending for him. But this season has went really well for him. So we chat about that. We chat about his plans for next season, how he's intending to get faster and more skillful on the bike. And the very interesting thing was he tells us about how he chooses his lines through certain sections of trails and how he looks at them from a trials background, uh, which may be slightly different from mountain biking. So that's very interesting. And um, overall, he's just a good lad. Great to have him in the sport. Great to have him part of the community, which he actually thinks is amazing, by the way. Um, so it's great to get Chris on the show. And I was really excited to get him on and have a chat with him. The young man has... Plenty to talk about. He's such an inspiration for anybody looking to get in or anybody just a wee bit nervous about trying their first race. He's got great info on that. So um, sit back, enjoy, guys, and uh, let's welcome Chris Brown to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi, Chris. How are you doing, sir? Welcome to MTB Tribe Podcast. How are you this evening, sir? Hi, Gareth. Uh, yeah, I'm fantastic, and thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's been, it's been great. Yeah, you're more than welcome, man. And I wanted to get you on because you have a very interesting story. And for the listeners out there, if they don't know you, you've been racing for one year, but you've been doing very, very well. And I want to chat about that because that's very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been too bad a season for, 
It's the first time at it. Aye, very, very cool, man. And I didn't realise that until... I'm not sure how how I found that out, but I think I just went into your socials a wee bit more in depth, and you had wrote a post about you'd bought a second-hand bike and uh, you'd get into the racing thing, and you were winning, you had a podium, you had seconds, etc., etc., and I just thought, that's crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah, well, basically... Uh... I bought a second-hand bike, uh, actually off a guy in England. I found it on Pink Bike, and uh, seen the pictures of it, and everything seemed fine. It seemed like it hadn't had a lot of use, and made the made the purchase, got and had it sent over, and then went from there. Really, <laughs> right? Cool, man. That's amazing. Now we'll get into that a wee bit later because I want to just dive into that a wee bit deeper with you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, but whereabouts are you from, Chris? Uh, I'm from a little village called Strait, if you've ever heard of Strait. It's sort of in between Ballyclare and Newton Abbey area. Right, okay, so it's just no- north of Belfast. Yeah, we're tw- 20 minutes outside Belfast, yeah. yeah. Right, cool. So you're in a pretty good area there. You have got, you've got you've uh, you've got got a lot of kind of areas you can go to, and you can, so it's not too bad, eh? It's not too bad, yeah. We're kind of, kind of in the middle. We're sort of an hour from maybe by Castle if we want to ride or an hour from Ross Trevor, Tullymore and then we've got Cave Hill in Belfast itself so we've quite easy, quite good access to any trails when we want to go riding or have a get, get a spin out on the bike mm-hmm. No, it's quite a nice area there and uh, I'm sure the coastline and all there is gorgeous so. Yeah, it's fantastic Yeah, we can't complain at all when the weather's good Aye, aye, nice one. Have you read Bally Castle much? Once. I've only, literally only ever been up once which was maybe about two or three months ago we decided the guys I ride with have been there quite a lot and enjoy it and I had never been so we're organising a spin out one day and I suggested we go up there and for something new and give it a try out and to be fair it's great it's fantastic the trails in it are fantastic and my type of riding which is steep and technical <laughs> oh no you've just put me off it <laughs> <laughs> no it's the steeper and more technical, the better in my books. <laughs> right, right. Wow, wow, crazy. Uh, all right, so that's cool. Uh, you work in you work in Belfast, isn't that right? Yeah, I work in Belfast. I'm a I'm a design engineer in Bombardier in Belfast at the moment. Right. Okay. Wow. Very cool. That's cool. Um, now, I want to chat to you about how you get into the mountain bike thing because you come from a trials riding background. Is that right? Yeah, every, anyone who asks me who I am or what I've done, I usually, this last year, I've referred to myself as a retired trials rider. So, for about, okay. since, since I was six years old, I've been a trials rider. So, all my life, basically. Wow, wow. <laughs> now, that is so interesting that you've come into mountain biking because lots of guys that I've had on the podcast previous, Nathan McComb, J-Mac, I think Jacob Dixon, and probably Rowan Don. I think those guys have all come from a trials background. Yeah, they all have. I'm actually I'm very friendly with Nathan. I kind of grew up with Nathan. Free yeah. trials. And then I remember Rowan Don when I was, I don't know, I can't remember what age I was. I remember being at events in the South and he was flying about in a 50cc beta and an 80cc beta at that stage. So there's quite a lot of guys have seen for whatever reason I've, I've made the switch over from from trials riding into the mountain bike world yeah no it's it's crazy it's very interesting but i think it's a good 
entrance into the mountain the mountain bike game. So you started trials riding when you were six years old. What kind of stage did you get to? Tell us a wee bit about your trials background. Uh, yeah, I started riding when I was six years old. Uh, I got into it simply because of my dad. My dad's always been into motorbikes and he rode trials himself. So he introduced me to the sport at that age and basically worked my, worked my way up through all the grades and the and the ranks until I was riding in grade A or expert elite. That's what it's called now here, riding in Irish and Ulster championships. Uh, competing in various British championships and uh, was lucky enough to be on an Ireland team to go to a couple of trials designations. So mm-hmm. sort of rode to quite the highest level you can here in Ireland and then in Britain as well, more or less. Wow. And were you doing a lot of travelling over? Were you racing in Britain and things? Yeah, well, we, we did the odds. We did different British rounds. It's hard to get to because the cost of the boat and everything so much and it's a bit different when you have a mountain bike because you can fly the events and it, cut your cost but when you want to travel to over to england it's 500 pound a time to, to put a van on a boat and travel over so that's a major cost and kind of restricts you a bit mm-hmm. yeah and what's the trial scene like is it still very popular it is it's, it's kind of a family oriented sport it wouldn't be as big as the mountain bike scene would be over here but mm-hmm. it's it is a big enough it's a big enough community and kind of like everyone in it you know what you know everyone in the sport like all the guys who are riding at the top level here now are guys that i started with when we were six years old so we've came through the whole system together and you're more or less your your best friends you see them every weekend and you you practice with them and you do all that there so it is it's a, it's a fantastic sport in, in that aspect mm-hmm yeah, no, it's it seems very similar to the mountain bike thing, the community side of it and stuff, where everybody knows everybody and guys get on and help each other out, and it seems very cool like that. Yeah, it definitely would be like it, it is. It's a fantastic sport. Like I would honestly say, anyone who wants to get into motorsport or fancies learn how to ride a motorbike and get into competing or anything, if you're anyway inclined on a bike, the trials is a fantastic sport to get into because you can turn up at an event and speak to anyone and anyone will be willing to help you and teach you teach you what goes on and show you show you what it's all about to be honest mm-hmm. uh it's yeah like i said it is a family orientated thing the guys most of the people who come into the sport their dads are some form of family member has ruled before them and uh you, you kind of see that link coming through the generations in the sport as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about Irish riders, Chris? Are they are they good internationally? You know, is the level good like mountain biking? You know the way we have guys, you know, like on the EWS tour and all. Is it at that kind of level for the trials, guys? We don't. No, we wouldn't have any professional riders from here. At right. We have we have a couple of real good, real good riders who can hold their own in British Championships and and when they go over to the, to ride in the Nations. Like last last season when the guys were over at the Designations for Team Ireland, they were fighting for a for a podium spot. So they can hold their own across the world. And they are we do have we have a decent standard of riding here, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too. Very good. So you give it a break. Why why did you why did you hang up your motorbike boots? Uh just probably I've been out for so long, I needed something new. My plan was I've been out for so long, it was kinda the love for it had maybe died off a bit or the enjoyment of it had died off and going and doing the same stuff every weekend and 
in that sort of way. Like the last last season, I was competing. Kind of, we were. T- I was turning up for an event on a Saturday, and maybe it was feeling more like a chore to go and ride my bike, and it was a chore to go out and practice rather than waking up on a Saturday and looking forward to going and competing mm-hmm. on a on a Saturday morning in Ulster and Irish Championship and stuff like that. There, so it was the plan originally was to take a break and get away from it and see what happened. And I'm generally quite an active person, so I was looking into maybe trying to compete in a triathlon or do something along those lines and then ended up falling in the mountain biking so i tried to walk away from any form of two-wheel racing or sport and it never really worked <laughs> I, find, I find i find a new sport that i really enjoyed and and uh, ended up doing another full season again <laughs> i i uh, wasn't much of a break really <laughs> no not really no <laughs> uh so the, the trials thing was was cost a factor in giving it up, do you think? No, no, honestly, it wouldn't have been. Uh, trials is the cheapest form of motorsport. And yeah. when you compare, when you compare, when I look at it and compare entries for a mountain bike event to a trials event or anything like that there, they're, they're not much different. And even prices of bikes maybe aren't that much different when you look at how much you can pay for a mountain bike at the minute. Yeah. Uh, and even, I think it's, it's fifty pounds for maybe a, uh, an entry to an enduro at a weekend. For a trials, you're, for trials, you're talking twenty five, thirty pounds an entry. Really? So, as as a sport, it's not it's not an expensive form of motorsport at all. It's it's well, it would be it would be the cheapest form if you wanted to get into anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. I suppose it's it's maybe not like motocross where them guys are breaking bits every time they go out. Um, it's probably just not as sore on on bikes and things, is it? Yeah, it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as sore on bikes. Your motocross guys when they're out there, they're ringing the neck of a bike for twenty minute motos or thirty minute motos. Like the bikes are getting a hard hard time. Whereas because there's no speed involved, yes, the bikes are full of throttle for a period of time if you're wanting to hit a 10 foot step or something like that there or you're going along those sorts of lines but they're not getting a hammering week in week out maybe if there's a crash you break a break a gear lever or break a brake lever mm-hmm. along those lines but it's not a, you're not you're not giving the bike a hard time where it's needing rebuilt every mm-hmm. few weeks and that sort of stuff like yeah yeah so what made you want to try mountain biking then <laughs> I don't even know what the answer is to that. Uh, What's your background? Did you ride bikes when you were younger? You know, like mountain bikes or BMX or anything. I've, no, I've always rode. I've always rode bicycles. Just growing up, because I was always on the in the motorbikes. I've always rode bicycles and had a, a trials bicycle when I was younger and played about on that. And then when I sort of got a bit older, so maybe in secondary school, where when I had we had old mountain bikes here, I would have went out and went around the forest, but it was more riding around fire roads and stuff like that there mm-hmm. uh and more based towards a bit of training and fitness work like that there so it was something i'd always had i always knew about it and always was sort of around bicycles but i never only it's only maybe the last two years maybe or three years even in general i started actually getting into cycling in general where it'd be road bikes for for fitness work towards trails or anything along those lines mm. Yeah, it's interesting um, that you fell into the mountain bike thing. Um, was it a friend influence? Was it media influence? What do you think drew, drew you towards the, the MTB scene? 
Uh, I've, always, I've always had an interest in it. I always followed. I always followed the World Cups. I always I, I followed the EWSs, obviously, with Greg and those guys in there. And then I, have a, I was I have a good friendship with Nathan McComb. We grew mm-hmm. up together riding, riding trails and stuff like that there. And I see that I've always seen those guys in the sport doing well and, and what they get up to. So I think I, I bought a bike. I bought a bike just as an interest to get into it. I'll go out and have a bit of fun and ride the trails and stuff like that there. And then there's a couple of guys live close by who would have been friendly from school and stuff. And I ended up, when I, once I bought the bike, we went up one evening uh, after work up on the cave hill and rode the trails for a while and after that there was kind of decided this is what I want to do I'll have a, I'll have a go at this year and those guys all most of those guys all race so after that we decided it was I'd put an entry in for Ravensdale at the first round of Levitas first tracks and it kind of went from there Hi so you basically thought I'll give it a go I'll maybe try this racing thing as well but I suppose that wasn't that scary for you or different because you would have been doing that in the the trials scene yeah. as well yeah entering an event wasn't wasn't too scary or anything out there it was probably more how it's run or what the format is or how it, what it's all about more or less i didn't really know very much about it when i first first came into it if, I was, if i'm honest i didn't even know i didn't know how you went about getting a license to compete in mountain bike events even i've been so used to buying a a motorcycle in Ireland license for trials. I didn't know how you went about buying a competition license. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've had people on the podcast chatting about how you do that, and I'm still not sure I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's cool, man. So you had a few friends that done it and stuff, which was which was grand. Uh, how was your first time up round Cave Hill then? Yeah, I loved it because it's all very. I think Cave Hill is fantastic. Like it's. The tracks up there are probably the best, are probably some of the best we have in in the country. The only problem is it's getting to them. The pedal up is hard, mm. hard work, but the coming downs for me is amazing. It's very, very technical and they're very it's, it's very steep, and that's the sort of riding I really enjoy from my sort of background. And I'm into mm. the technical, technical having to work for it and pick lines and a lot of roots and rocks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so let's chat about that because. That's that's really interesting. I think that coming from a trails background, that it can help your mountain bike skills. Do you find that that's how it's helped you the most, picking lines and and things like that? Yeah, massively. Like I would, I would say that if you can ride a trails bike, you can ride any form of bike to a fairly fairly decent level because you have a really good understanding of how your bike's moving below you and feeling for grip and picking lines. Because when we were riding the section, it's all about picking the best line for a section to tackle whatever obstacles coming up next, whether it's a, a massive rock step or if it's a line up a river, up a waterfall or an, anything like that. So mm-hmm. I, found, I found that massively has helped. And even for anyone that doesn't know it, in a, in a trial, trial involves 10 sections, 10 observed sections. And they're usually on a mountain or in a forest or somewhere like that. So getting in between those sections, the cross country, is nearly like what a mountain bike trail is. Like what what it's the same type of thing. It's you're bombing through a forest at whatever speed in your trails bike, getting to the next section or or across a mountain or down a mountain. 
on single track or goat trails or stuff like that there that takes you to the next the next observed section in the event so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of very similar in, in that aspect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so that's crazy so when you look at a tr- when you look at a trail you were naturally just transferring your skills from the bike the, mo- the motorbike over and you would look at a trail and look at the lines is that the way you would do it initially just look at the lines and figure out how you're going to get down this thing as fast as possible yeah i remember it at the first run in ravensdale the guys i was with a lot of the guys would like pedal up and practice day and drop into the first stage and their practice is just ride one full length of this length of the stage and that's kind of it you sort of have an idea if there's anything dangerous in it or what goes on but whereas it took me forever to get through practicing that first event because i was kind of every I don't know how many hundred meters I was stopping and getting off and looking at and looking at lines and going back pushing back up and trying to ride another line again or different lines to see what worked better what had more grip and stuff like that and I think then again I'm able to I was able to pick out lines which are maybe different from what normal people would ride or maybe the main line because I'm not scared to go up on the rocks or over something that's a bit different which is off the main line which i think might benefit myself further down the track or something because i'm used to that kind of riding from from my trails background yeah it's it's good because you almost come into it with green eyes if you know what i mean yeah so, it's, yeah come, come into it completely new and take make make your mark on it type thing or take do it in your own way you just don't follow every like the normal convention of it yeah you know because it would be very easy to look at you know, the weekend warriors, guys like me that are riding those trails. And, you know, you're not obviously going down the, the fastest way all the time. You're out for a bit of social enjoyment and whatever. You know, but somebody like yourself could come in from a different background who's really keyed in on getting from A to B kind of as fast as possible, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see different stuff like that. Um, did you find yourself taking different lines from let's say Glenn O'Brien or J Mike or those guys? Probably probably not from those guys because those guys have been racing for such a long time that they they understand that aspect of it. So all them guys are really good at picking lines out in the fastest line that works for them. It was probably more that when I came into it as a complete newcomer, I was able to pick up on that straight away mm-hmm. rather than there's a, there's a lot of people would come out and right in the trail and just take sort of everyone the saying is the main line with confidence so if you have any doubts that's the line you take but whereas i would stand back and pick pick another line or look at another line and maybe push up a couple of times and try multiple different variations and see what i think is the smoothest line or works better for me and a lot of those other guys like Mac and glenn and nathan would all do exactly the same they would all look at the trail and find we find wee sneaky lines or we high lines or inside lines which aren't the norm or aren't on the main line which maybe set you up better for a corner or set you up for a, an uphill sprint or something like that there to carry more speed in so mm-hmm. i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it was it was different it was just i was able to come into it and recognize that side of it straight away yeah which i suppose at the end of the day builds your confidence and and everything else and kind of gets you gets you used to to what you need to be doing on, in those environments yeah yeah like you're able to you're able to straight away drop in and, and be confident in yourself like 
mm-hmm. remember sitting at the top of that first stage of Ravensdale that day and it had rained. I think it rained all weekend. I think we ended up only racing four stages out of the five because it had been such a wet weekend and one of the stages was only a freshly built trail and I didn't want to destroy it. So I was sitting there sort of kind of a lot of, a lot of nerves in me and not knowing what to expect dropping in. But as soon as I started pedaling off and I was able to then remember, drop straight in the trail and remember, right, at this corner I want to lift up high here. That's going to set me up better for this the exit of this next corner and stuff like that there and once you start linking it all together and feeling good in your bike that confidence does come then and you're you you never you never really know in any of the events i've found that you don't know if you're ever going well or going fast until the very end like there's been plenty of events i've said all day long going i don't know how i'm going here today i feel like i'm riding really really slowly mm-hmm. and you get like you get to the end of the day and it turns out you've actually had a fantastic fantastic day on the bike and been going pretty fast but you just you're never you're never sure never usually when you're riding fast you probably don't feel fast because you're Mm -hmm. more in control and you're riding smooth so i it's interesting and you know i suppose it's knowing what to do in corners and breaking and corners and things like that and how to keep your speed through corners and stuff so would you have known all that from the trials thing as well (laughs) probably not that aspect of it like Mm -hmm. With, with that aspect, I'm probably still learning. It's probably still trying to teach my brain to maybe scrub off a bit more speed entering a corner to carry more speed out of it and through the corner. Whereas probably at the start, it was sort of, let's try and get down here as hard as we can. And in my brain, my mentality was just go as hard as you can and go into that, into that corner as fast as you can. It's going to mean you're coming out as fast as you can, but that's not the case usually. It's, mm-hmm. If you come in there fast, the time you get in there and grab a hand for the brake once you're actually in the corner itself you've you've lost all your momentum and you've lost all your speed coming back out and that's so many seconds then so that aspect of it probably not i was i was too boisterous and keen to put the pedals in and try and carry mm-hmm. speed down it was probably slowing me down more than more than helping me yeah i'm an i'm a, an elite rider at that i'm really good <laughs> at doing that <laughs> End the corner as fast as you can and slap, slap the berm slap the and <laughs> yeah. end, up, end, end up pedaling out. <laughs> That's it. That's the way I tackle it. Um, no, because I wanted to ask you about the speed aspect because trials isn't, you know, the motorbike trial thing isn't really speed orientated. So how did you kind of get used to the speed or was that a scary aspect for you? You know, how did you settle into that? Because uh, I've been riding, trials isn't a fast sport, but they're, they're they're a motorbike like it's a 300 cc single cylinder two stroke like if you, they can if you wanted to they can they can go if they want mm-hmm. so like i was saying there in between sections if you're cross country you have to you do motor on like in, in between your sections and cross country because you have an overall time limit for the day that you're trying to get in without being penalized for so usually that cross country aspect you're in fifth sixth gear and you're trucking along rightly so that aspect of it probably didn't didn't scare me it was just the just the, the speed but i'm probably i'm probably not used to riding a mountain bike fast in that way like fast single single track flowy trails i still haven't really got my head around staying off the brakes and and trusting it's you're going to make a corner and stuff like that there mm-hmm. i'm more of a if it's steep and wet and slippy and stuff i seem to go better at that sort of terrain because i have I'm, I'm confident in that i'm confident in how i'm in my technical riding ability so then carrick this year 
was that a few weeks ago or a month ago now. It was very, very dry and it's a very, very fast venue. And I found myself going in the corners and dabbing the brake and scrubbing speed off. And really, I probably shouldn't have been touching my brake and just letting the speed carry through the corner. I just didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't have the confidence yet to go through there without without feeling like the front wheels are going to wash away on me or I'm going to end up off the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very tricky. You know, if you asked anybody that teaches mountain bike skills and things like that, you'll say, what's what's something the majority of people do wrong or they have trouble with? And the first thing most people always say is cornering. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's something you would think is almost one of the easier things, but that's very, very difficult. It's, it's very it's very difficult to master. Yeah. I think everyone everyone can get around a corner, but trying to get around a corner in the smoothest, fastest way possible is the is the bit that's hard to, to master. Trying to trying to train your brain to slow down beforehand because it'll be faster in the long run is a very well, for me anyway, it's a very it's a very difficult thing to teach myself and tell myself to do. Yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. I would I would deal with that problem too. Um, but yeah, because you see it in the EWS, you see a lot of these guys and the, even the downhill, uh, the UCI stuff and all, where they come to a drop or they come to a section and, you know, they slow down for that drop or that section or whatever because they know they have to have a certain amount of speed when they get to the bottom of that to be able to carry their momentum and their flow or whatever out of the next corner. And it's really weird to kind of think about it that way yeah they, they they probably have an understanding of how how fast they can be in the corner itself like what their limit is on the corner so they know how much speed to scrub off beforehand to, to get through that well mm-hmm. sort of way but it is it definitely is it's a very hard skill to to understand and in a section you feel like you, you can go as hard as you can you don't need to touch the brakes to make yourself slow down and and make it easier going into the corner and, and carry all that speed out down the trail because I suppose if you wait like that there's probably more if you add all the corners up and all the turns up down a trail and you're able to nail every single one of them at the correct speed and and flow through it and carry carry the perfect amount of momentum through that there and carry it the whole way down the track you're going to get very close to a, to a perfect run then mm. yeah it's very interesting it's it's uh, there's more to it than you would think, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not just go to the top of a hill and don't touch your brakes until you get to the bottom. It's, Aye. it's not how it works. Hey, how hard can it be? I'll just go as hard as I can everywhere I can. Yeah, um, and that'll that'll push me a good time, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not definitely not the case. You either end up, either end up crashing or grabbing too much brake when you shouldn't be. Uh-huh, that's it. That's it, man. Um, so let's chat about your bike. So you bought a second-hand bike. Um, yeah. Were you looking for anything in particular? Had you any advice on what to go for? Because this is relatively new to you, right? Yeah. Uh, honestly, no. It was more a budget aspect. Uh, okay. I knew how much I was willing to spend at the time on a bike. And so I was trying to find something that fitted within that budget. And someone hadn't previously absolutely thrashed the life of when they, were, when they were racing it or riding their bike down trails. So I was lucky enough that I like I said, I came across a bike on Pink Bike, and it was in it was in England, and it turned out the guy who maybe rode it two or three times and just hadn't had the, had the time to use it, and uh, it was within my budget, and I ended up I bought it, 
fair enough, it's maybe not the best way to go about it because I wasn't able to view the bike or make sure everything was all right. But and sure, I made sure he sent me a lot of pictures and I covered all the aspects as best I could. And lucky enough, when it arrived in the box, the bike was more or less like new. There was no real marks on it or anything like that there. So I sort of I struck lucky on the on the bike at that mm-hmm. stage. But mm-hmm. I, coming coming into it, I had a, I suppose I had a, probably a, a bit of an idea. There's plenty of information online and various people I know who are in their mountain bikes who I spoke to and I seen what other guys that I know, like in Nathan and anyone else, I seen what sort of bikes they were riding and racing. And so I had an idea that way. But most of the major factor was 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 budget restrictions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it's a good is as good a reason as any. Uh, what did you end up going for? What did you get? I had a banner of Vitus Summit, funny enough. I well, sure, you just buy a bike that's built and better in Belfast from England, you know. It's about 20, could, 20 minutes I, down the road. Yeah, I could, I could have went 20 minutes down the road in the shop and bought it, but I ended up getting a bought banner in England and getting it shipped over to me. Classic, man, classic. Um, no, that's cool, and you're happy with the bike and all. And Yeah, to be fair, I have no complaints about the bike, I I seem to jump onto it and seem to click with it pretty, pretty well, and it it climbs pretty well, and yeah, it's, I haven't had haven't had any issues to be honest with it. Right, very very good. Uh, now, if you were going to do that, just for somebody that's kind of thinking of getting into this thing and and listening to the show, if you were going to do that again, would you do it the same way? Is there anything you would look for differently, or as in bike spec or? As in, well, you know, well, the pink, buying it on pink bike online is maybe not a great idea. You maybe even would want to have a ride on it before you. If, yeah, well, I w- yeah, I wouldn't, you, yeah, you I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't recommend for someone to, unless you're really clued in on what you're looking for. And the, when you're buying it, you're pretty sure that that's, it is what it is. I would, I would recommend going and going and having a ride on it and seeing it in person and not, not working off it. Of a handful of photos and that sort of thing, but uh, part, away from that, there probably probably your best bet is to go down to a bike shop and speak to the guys, speak to someone in CRC, and look at all the bikes, or even go down to the guys in Mac Monkey or any of the other shops and talk to the guys here in the know and explain what you're looking for and learn what all your options are and go from there probably, and that's probably the the safest bet to go for rather than jumping in head first like me and buying a second-hand bike the way I did. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly. What travels does that bike got on it? Uh, it's a one, it's 170 front and 150 rear, I think it is. One, 170, aye, that's a yeah. yeah, it might as well be a downhill bike, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so were you looking for 170? You know, this is what I was kind of trying to get. Were you thinking of 170? Were you thinking of something as big a travel as that? Was that one of your kind of... I pr- pr- you want probably probably it wasn't a it wasn't a factor of it i probably i think i think i had an idea in my head from looking around and seeing what people ride that i wanted something more than maybe say a 130 trail bike i kind of knew that from what i've done before with my background if i'm going to ride bikes it'll probably well be taking maybe bigger hits or riding steeper steeper type of going so i wanted someone more than just a trail bike travel of 130 maybe up the front and stuff like that there so mm. probably something along the lines i probably in my head i probably knew i was going for something maybe 150 to 170 
and I had I had that idea all along that that's a, the size of bike I wanted. And I actually think I remember sending Nathan a message one time asking him about between a scarb or a summit and stuff like that there. And mm-hmm. I think I think his advice to me was for what you're going to want to ride, you want a summit because you want a bigger bike for bigger stuff. So having having people like that there in the sport probably it was it was good i had a lot of people that likes of nathan and even jmac and stuff who if i wanted to i could send a message to and ask those guys a bit of advice and stuff mm-hmm. no that's handy to have eh? yeah definitely when you've got guys like that there who have been around it for a long long time and wrote to the level those guys are like it's it's pretty good to be able to go and go and ask for a wee word of advice yeah yeah for definite and i, I know nathan was saying um it's before i had nathan on the podcast and stuff and i, I didn't really know him at that time and he'd i had just tested one of the rocky mountains and he messaged me to say oh the vitus is better and look at this and have a look at this and think of this and stuff like that you know what i mean um uh, you know and nathan obviously the bike works for nathan there's no issues there <laughs> yeah if it, if, it, if it's able to do what nathan's wanting to do especially with some of the lines that nathan likes doing you, you can't really complain about about it <laughs> exactly exactly um so that's cool just thinking of anybody wanting to get into the racing scene that maybe has a you know a weekend bike or something what they have to kind of look for and so you would advise maybe asking people advice and telling them where they're going to be riding and what kind of travel they need and yeah well, probably any probably any of the guys like say glenn or any of those guys even who someone who's looking to get in the race and has probably had a, a, a look and seen who runs the events and where the events are held so probably from that there i'd put your next best bet is to maybe make make a contact there and, and message the guys in the first tracks and and, and ask ask a bit of advice or even if you've got a weekend bike that you go out on your, yourself, you've probably got more and more into the sport. So maybe from reading various articles and videos and stuff like, like, like that, you can you can very quickly get an understanding of what's required for racing just by the vast amounts of information online. And even looking at what the guys in EWS race and all those sorts of things, because those guys, the, bike, the bikes those guys are racing in EWS, fair enough, they're maybe factory riders and some of it's prototype and everything, but all that stuff eventually filters down to what a normal person goes and buys in the bike shop. So mm-hmm. that's what that's what anyone goes out and buys to, to race on here and if they want something straight out of the box as well. Yeah. I wonder if the guys in CRC Belfast, have they ever had anybody walk in and say, um, excuse me, but I want I want the same bike that Glenn O'Brien races. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a quick and easy way to do it. Huh? Yeah, it probably, wouldn't, it probably wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. You probably had a... a Probably definitely has probably been someone's walked in there and said, "Can I have the same bike that Nathan rides, or what? Which bike <laughs> does Nathan ride? I want to, I want to be able to do that sort of stuff." Oh, exactly, exactly. That young man, uh, Jack Devlin. What bikes he riding at the minute? Yeah, I'll have one of those. I've, I've all those there. But just depends <laughs> me when they see the price tag. Maybe it might change their mind on what one to go for in the end. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's chat about your racing then, Chris. Um, so this has your, been your first year, which is pretty awesome. Now, so that means you were going to quite a lot of these events and you were racing these trails blind, basically. Yeah, I was racing. Apart from apart from the Saturday practice of every event, mm-hmm. I've never rode. But think about every well, every every round of the Gravity Series, I hadn't I hadn't rode before. Uh, what about the first tracks? 
I've been around Castlewell, and for that final, I've, I've rode bikes around Castlewell, but not really any 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 natural trails. It was more maybe a few years ago going down with friends and riding around trail center stuff. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I'd never Ravensdale. I think was a new venue for everyone this season, and then Bigwood is the ever was the ever his first track event, and I'd never rode any of them. So apart from my Saturday practice. I was really, I was coming into everything blind, and it was all brand new to me, and all all fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, you know, and that's that's pretty crazy to think, you know, that you have to try and memorize these trails. Were you able to do that? Were you able to kind of memorize sections of the trails over that Saturday? Yeah, bits and pieces. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys use their GoPros and head cam, but I hadn't done that, which I probably should have. But uh, like I was saying earlier. When I was direct, when I was going into the trails, I wasn't just doing one full run top to bottom straight away. I was kind of riding into it, and anywhere I thought, oh, there's a line there that could be faster. Or this section's very technical. There's a lot that could go wrong here. Or a place you can make up a lot of time. I would stop and sort of analyze it and have a good look and push back up and ride it again. So when you're then come maybe Sunday race day, you'd be coming into it at race pace and it's funny how your brain works you pick up little markers like you you, you reckon even though you're in, a, you're in a forest on a track that maybe looks more or less the same everywhere but your brain will remember, will remember some, something stupid like there's a wee rock sticking out there or there's a there's a, a stump sticking out mm-hmm. and from that there you remember that maybe the next section oh this was a section i stopped and pushed up and i rode maybe two or three times in practice yesterday because there was a line i wanted to go higher here which helped me out here so when you're when you come in on race day, you do remember bits and pieces of it, uh, but there's there's still a lot of it you come into and you just sort of, you're riding the main line or even even there's a lot of events you're sitting at the top of the stage and the guys you've rode up with, you're like, I can't remember any of this stage, what was in stage one here? <laughs> and and the, some of the guys will remember it and say, oh, this is the stage that has maybe this drop in it or has this corner or this, this gap in it. And when those guys say it, it comes back to you a wee bit and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I remember it now. Usually as soon as you drop in, you start picking up on those wee features and your brain starts picking up on those wee things you looked at it in practice and you start remembering bits and pieces. But I don't think anyone really remembers the whole top to bottom of the trail and to get their, maybe they do, I don't know, but if you have a GoPro footage, maybe you maybe you sit on Saturday night and you're able to analyse your GoPros and mm-hmm. you'll pick up every line and you'll understand it all like, but no, there's definitely times I was dropping into it and wasn't 100 sure what was coming up or what was around the next corner <laughs> yeah and do you think that helps or hinders uh pro- probably hinders if you i would say if you if you knew that if you knew a trail like the back of your hand from top to bottom you're going to have a massive advantage because you know exactly what's coming up and where you need to be and it's going to help you carry in speed like if you know there's a corner, there's a real fast straight here and I'm going to do like a right left corners here and you can remember that there, you're, you're definitely at an advantage to someone who comes down into it and at the last minute sees the corner and remembers, oh yeah, I know where I am now but by that stage you're already halfway through it and maybe mm-hmm. lost a few seconds in time, so yeah definitely if you if you, if you you know a trail pretty well by the back of your hand, it's it's going to help you quite a lot Yeah, Um I, it's interesting, you know, and do you think, can you can you train your brain to kind of memorize those trails? Like, is that something that you have kind of 
that your your trials background has helped you with do you think yeah i would say yeah you can like definitely any section i generally push up and ride multiple times and maybe stop and have a real good look out to pick my line for it and stuff like that there when you come into it you you know exactly where you want to be and like, like i say you'll recognize something as stupid as oh here's a real here's a breaking bump here and there's a rock i want to be on the right hand side of that rock and that'll give me the next line over the point of this next rock and that'll, that sort of silly stuff because mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what we've done in trials you've 10 sections and on your first lap you walk every section so you you walk every section and pick your line and understand where you're going within the section so you have to you have to have a, a good memory understand that and know remember where you have to go within it so that that probably helps me and probably taking every race stage and and splitting it into many 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 race stages as i go along and tackling the the harder part, parts section by section and, and understanding where i need to be in them mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good way to do it. i actually would never have thought of that yeah rather than yeah don't take it as one big run take it as mm. as and then i start one if you can if you can take all those hard if you take each hard section of each stage and and know them all and then start linking them all together in between you're going to get nearly a perfect run if you're able to smash every single line you want to be on and mm-hmm. carry your speed through it i think if you can if you can start doing that there you're always going to be there thereabouts come the end of the day it's it's just being able to to put your bike where you want it when you're when you're going at race pace Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose there's a certain percentage, quite a large percentage of the trails that you just have to ride the trail. You know, there's no other line. You just got to ride the trail. So if you yeah. can concentrate your mind and all your energy into these sections, like you say, where you can make up time or possibly lose time if you don't do it correctly, that's where you need to concentrate your kind of your memory to and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. There's plenty, of, plenty of places in the stage where there's only one main line for it and you can't really deviate off it. It's not, it's not going to, it's not going to give you any benefit to mm-hmm. deviate away from that there. And even the likes of maybe if there's a, a fire road sprint or an uphill sprint or somewhere like that there, that maybe isn't as important technical wise, you can sort of kind of forget about that there. And when you're on, when you're, when you're in practice as well, the hard thing is you're never going 110%. So you might, you might ride something in practice and get on the perfect line and think, oh yeah, that's that's really good. That's where I want to be tomorrow. And you'll come into it in race day when you're going as hard as you physically can. And trying to stay on those lines is very difficult. Like mm. when you're when when everything's sped up, that like you're kind of cruising in practice because there's no need to to wreck a bike or hurt yourself or anything like that. There, you're you're, you're going hard. Yeah, you're going hard, but you're not going. The red mist hasn't came down when you went through the, mm-hmm. the start the starting chip, so yeah. that can, that can be a factor of trying to yeah. trying to put it all together at that, at that speed. Yes, I suppose that those sections can look very different at top speed than they do when you're yeah. practicing, and feel feel very different as well. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably hitting sections quicker, thinking, "Oh, this has come quicker than I expected." <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But sometimes that can work in the other way as well. Sometimes if you come in. And you're you're going flat out race pace. A section might feel a lot easier, like say a rock garden or something like that. There, you've come into it a lot harder in race day, and you've kind of the bike has skipped through the rocks a lot better, faster. So mm-hmm. you haven't maybe felt as many of the compressions and stuff as you were in practice. So mm-hmm. it can it can maybe work in both ways as well for you. 
Yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, so your first race was Ravensdale. How did you go on there? Can you remember? Uh, I was third, third in that race. Yeah. Like, how did you? How did that? How did you feel about that? <sighs> it's your first race ever. You yeah, know, I, I think. How I long had you the bike at that stage? I think the, the bike had only, only had the bike about two weeks or three weeks or something oh, at that for stage. For Frank's sake, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't a long time. Yeah, I'd went out and rode. I'd rode Cave Hill one night after work, sort of done a done a par hour in the summer, or not even the summer, that would have been maybe, it was literally a par hour, sort of finish work and head up before it gets dark and do a couple of laps, and then I think maybe rode maybe Ross Trevor for a weekend or maybe a couple of weekends, and then from that we, we went and we went and, and dropped into Ravensdale. <laughs> and you came third. But you're, yeah. you're standing on the podium. Hold on a wee minute, just tell I'm sick here in the corner for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think I remember, I think my, my dad was maybe away on holiday that weekend or something, and I, he knew I was going down to it, and, and told me to let him know how I got on, and I think I remember texting him and saying, yeah, finished third. Uh, Keelan Grant won it, who's obviously a food factory CRC mm-hmm. rider. He, I remember texting him and saying, yeah, I was third. The, the food factory CRC guy won, so I'm pretty happy at that. <laughs> yeah, like, how did you like, tell us how you felt about that? Did you think to yourself, third, wow, I could actually be very good at this? Yeah, that's probably, to be honest, it's probably very, I was probably surprised because I looked at the amount of guys who were around me and who were riding, and you know how fast those guys are, and you see all the social media posts and all that stuff, like, you know how how good those riders are. So I think when I came in, you come in and you put your timing chip in and when you put your timing chip in, you get your piece of paper that tells you where you're sitting once you put your timing in. Mm-hmm. But in that first race, I was away very early on because I wasn't I'm not I wasn't a seated rider at that point. I wasn't riding around with all those guys who mm-hmm. are the podium guys. So I had a long wait. I remember coming in and telling me I was first out of so many people at that stage when I came in and put my timing chip in. And then it was a long wait to see am I going to stay on this podium or what's actually going to happen here? Or mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> how's this going to work out? And I remember waiting. The last guys came in, I went over and looking at the TV screen that gives you all your live timings after the guys come in and, and see him in name in third place. And it's like, flip. I wasn't expecting that. I was probably a bit, I was probably a bit shocked more than anything. Like I was, I was standing there on the podium as well. Because when you're racing, you haven't, you haven't a clue when you're racing, how well you're doing or how fast you're going. You, yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I didn't, it was a real wet weekend, so that probably massively helped me, because it was, that, that probably sounds silly, because a lot of people, if it was a real wet weekend, it would do the opposite for them, it would probably mm-hmm. put oh, them off, not, yeah. not go faster, but for for me, that was maybe a, a blessing, because it was, it was harder for that there, it was, it, it suited me better, it wasn't going to be absolutely fast and furious, and not touching mm-hmm. the brakes, so I think I, must, I went into the I went into the day saying if I stay on the bike and stay upright all day and don't crash anywhere, I'll be happy. And I came away with a third from it, so I was pretty pleased. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, did you? I know you know Nathan and, and some of the guys there, but you know, did you know a lot more of the riders there? Did you think they were thinking, "Who's this dude"? Uh, I think it, I think probably when I was on the standing the podium, there was probably a lot of people looking at me, thinking, "Who's here?" or anyone anyone who's just been based around the mountain bike community a lot of the people bought 
say, well, I've found a lot of the guys, if you're a real good mountain biker and, or you're a good trials rider or motocrosser or any form of two-wheeled sport in, in Northern Ireland or Ireland, you kind of know mm. who the other top guys are in their disciplines. Mm-hmm. So there was plenty, there was, there's a lot of guys there, like a lot of guys, a couple of guys who ride for Mac Monkey, like Fraser Morrison and Peter Davison and those guys. Fraser himself from a trials background, so I've rode, I've kind of grew up with him and from him got to know the other guys, like Peter and stuff. So there's a lot of the guys who were in the seated category and who are good guys who maybe I did have an idea of, but in general, there's probably a lot of people who were looking, wondering, who's that? I've, I've never seen him before. I don't recognize that name or anything like that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what was the turnout for that race? There was over two hundred anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, there would have been. Yeah, that first round. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. Now I want to know about the um, when you got your bike. Did you change anything in the bike? Did you change it because I know you're you're into the grip and stuff from the trial thing. Did you change the rubber on the bike or anything? Uh, I put a magic Mary on the front and put a hands damp in the rear. Just simply Excellent. that's it. That that's what I use. That's what I use. <laughs> that seems to be a combination that a lot of people in this country go for. And I under, kind of understand it now that the Magic Mary on the front gives you a hell of a lot of grip, no matter what the conditions. And with obviously where we live, it's going to be wet a lot of the time. So it's probably the perfect the perfect tire to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but apart All from right. that, apart from the back that, I set the sag up on the suspension for my weight. And and that's that was really it, uh, and that's how it went in that first round. Just set the sag up and change the tires, and away we went. That was that was us. Unreal, unreal. Um, that's very very good. Well well done. That's unbelievable. Um, so I want to talk about the Irish Enduro Champs. Yeah. Because you said you wanted a top ten finish, you'd have been happy with that. Yeah, I've been over the minute to start with a top ten finish. <laughs> and you came fifth. Yeah, I was I was buzzing for that there when you look at the guys who were in front of me. So <laughs> exactly. So tell us a wee bit about that race. Uh, kind of at that stage. That's a was that that was the third round. So I was a, I was a seated rider by that stage, and I kind of actually I remember that morning, me and another guy Fraser who I'm friendly with. The two of us didn't really fancy being in the big bunch really sort of big guns and top guys where we don't feel like that's my place type thing. So. I remember as soon as the 12 o'clock start time came for seated riders, the two of us took off and disappeared away to get away from that big bunch of pro <laughs> riders. So we didn't 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 feel like that's maybe where we belonged. So did you feel was, that, did you feel like an imposter or no? Just probably ugh, all those guys probably know each other very well, and it probably was if you're maybe sitting on the start line ready to drop in and say like I actually know. I know Greg and I know Kellyan because of their trials backgrounds as well and they're all very very approachable like it's it's nothing to do with that there it was probably just more if I was sitting waiting to drop into a trail and I knew all them guys were sitting waiting behind me it was mm-hmm. maybe just filming my nerves a bit more so right. I just kind of I kind of wanted to get away and do my own thing and 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 that was it really that was that was really the only reasoning behind it I just just didn't didn't want to be didn't want to be around all those top top guys probably just for nerves and do my own thing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense um so tell us a wee bit about the race then how did the run go how did you think you you had done it was one of those yeah it was one of those days probably the same again i, I wasn't sure 
Harwell had done and the stage three was the longest stage. It was the old downhill track, so it was the highest stage of the day. It started from the very top of the hill and, and uh, I can't remember how many minutes long it was, but that's where I'd been piecing it together really, really well and then come the middle section and there was a tight a tight couple of trees on my left hander and the front way got the wrong side of a route and sort of spat me out the front door and it ended up in my yeah. face. But when I I thought that kind of maybe put maybe put the day off type thing, but I think when I went back and looked at the stage times, that I, I still had a, a top a top five or a top eight stage time on that stage three on the day, which it was I was pretty surprised at and I kind of maybe kicked myself because I was like I wonder how well that stage run would have been if I hadn't crashed. Like how fast was I mm-hmm. on that on that yeah. long run? But uh, and overall, the day was it was very very good and like the, the, the stages in Ravensdale are fantastic. I actually really enjoy the event and uh, apart from that one crash, the day went more or less perfect. I, I dropped it there and apart from that, there I stayed on the bike all day. Maybe made the odd wee mistake where the front wheel maybe left me for a wee minute or two or a wee second or two and I had to catch it. Maybe felt like it was going to crash, but overall in the day, it was. It was pretty good. It was a pretty physical event as well, though. I remember the stage, bottom of stage four, was very, very pedly, like a couple of really short, punchy uphill sprints. And I remember getting to the end of that stage there, and I was absolutely not really busted, like on a fire road and panting for breath and <laughs> felt felt dead. But apart from that, there, yeah, it was a really good event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, amazing, man, amazing. And again, I'm sure you must have been really stoked with fifth. Yeah, it was over the it was over the moon for fifth. Like like I said, I looked at the guys who were all like obviously all the guys from all over Ireland were all because it was national champs and mm-hmm. when they were all there and I knew they were all they were all going to be there. I was like, yeah, if I go into this event and can get a top ten, I'll be I'll be happy because all the real good guys from the south will definitely be up for this event and all that sort of stuff and and. Uh, and it all kind of worked together and I had a way top five and when they've got those sorts of names in front of you it's a pretty it's a pretty nice feeling when the only guys in front of you really are, are big names and professional riders gives mm-hmm. you a bit of confidence like if you look at those guys going maybe I'm not that far away from those guys and if I put a lot of work in maybe maybe that's a, an achievable spot to be in mm-hmm. yeah certainly is and you know you, you've done so well this season like uh the Enduro Series in Wicklow, you came second. The Enduro Series round four, I think, maybe Tipperary, you came first. Yeah, yeah. How was that feeling standing on the podium, first place? Uh, that was, yeah, that was pretty good because up until that point, it had kind of been, I'd been on the podium in second and third quite a few times, and the guys had maybe won those couple of races that I was on the podium were guys had maybe beat on a, in another event. Mm-hmm. At a stage, but I just haven't seemed to put it all together yet to to stand in the top spit or top step. So it was pretty, it was pretty good to come in and see your timing, and it was kind of the same down there in Wicklow that for that first time standing the top step. I was I was away earlier on, so there's plenty of guys that come in behind you. So I wasn't. There was a long wait to see if it was going to stay on on the top of the podium or not like that there. But it was probably a big surprise again, maybe for people at the gravity events seeing someone who who's standing on the top step of the podium and they don't they've never seen them before never heard their name like mm-hmm. i remember standing standing in the, in the 
paddock area where the podium is and here and so on at once at some stage must have been whoever it was they knew were raced in my category they said like who won or you didn't win you were second who won and them saying oh chris brown and they sort of didn't know who that was or were asking who's that type thing and to be honest that's quite a, it's maybe a, it's quite a good thing or feeling because you're coming in there and you're able to come out of nowhere and and put a result in and surprise people a bit you're 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 not it's not expected obvious so it's more of a surprise to them mm-hmm. yeah you're kind of the underdog almost in a way yeah you're not yeah you're going there and it's not nothing's expected of you they're not no one's expecting you to stand on a podium or stand on a top step like and mm-hmm. then when your name gets called out and you're walking up there and no one really knows who you are it kind of raises a few eyebrows then and people people start to look and wonder who you are mm-hmm. what what you're doing or where you came from <laughs> <laughs> And what about the other competitors, the other elite competitors, you know, or Glenn or any of the guys? Were they, you know, were they saying, "Dude, you're 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 good, you're going well, you're fast"? Were you getting any kind of compliments or anything? Yeah, hundred percent. Like all everyone in that mountain bike community are all really, really good people. Like I have no bad word to say about anyone. Mm-hmm. And after this year, I would have say I've made a lot of really good friends because, especially when you go down those events down south or even events up here, you spend all weekends with them like riding your mm-hmm. bike and practice and and racing with them on sunday so you have a lot of good it's good crack and uh a bit of banter and even even on that every weekend there in castle well uh after the overall podium and stuff like that there and i put a post on facebook like J Mac commented on one of the under the post and said well done uh great talent and two wheels and all that sort of stuff like all the guys give you a lot of encouragement there's no there's no one's looking at you thinking oh, he's a threat to me or mm-hmm. anything like that there. It's always positive encouragement, wanting you to do well and they like seeing people do well. And I, I've, yeah. I've liked that I've liked that side of it as well. Like you're not you're not racing other people, you're racing the clock. Like you're you're racing yourself. So there isn't really rivalries come in come into any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a good segue because I wanted to chat to you about the community thing as well, because you've obviously been a big part of the trials community um and now you've come into this other community and i'm always raving on the podcast about how good the mountain bike community is and that's really cool because I'm, I'm interested to see your perspective of it because not only are you kind of a new i know you know a lot of the guys from the past stuff but not only are you kind of a new face there but you're you're standing on the podium but yet nobody's saying who the hell is this dude you know <laughs> you know what i mean did you find any resentment or anything like that at all? No, not at all. Not from not from anyone. Like the guys was maybe say the guys maybe here on the CRC squad, like the guys like Biffy Mullen or Mark O'Kane and those guys. Like I raced raced directly with Mark in our category, and maybe at the start you, you sort of know them, but you don't really know them. And as mm-hmm. the years went on, you've you've got to know all those guys and like those guys will be the first to come over and shake your hand and say well done on the day when when they put their time and ship in if you beat them like there's no there's no hard feelings or resentment there or, or anything it's just it's just you've you've went faster on the day like they don't no one looks at you with a, in a bad way that like you've come into it maybe took a position away from there anything like that there like there's there's been nothing it's been the complete opposite to be honest like all those guys like I remember when I put a picture up with my arm, say on on my Instagram story after getting hurt, I must have got about 
30 or 40 messages from all those sorts of guys asking me was I all right and how long I was going to be out for and all that sort of stuff like that no one no one has a bad word to say about you they all mm-hmm. they all they all they're all really good people and very very friendly why is that why do you think that is Chris <laughs> I don't really know it's maybe maybe it's just a sport that attracts really nice dead-on people <laughs> but the I think it is just you've got respect for each other as well like you're all out there doing exactly the same stuff and like you said it's not you're racing head to head against someone it's not like maybe in a motocross race or something where you go off the gate and you race directly with someone and someone can pull maybe a dirty move on you or a very hard pass and stuff like that there so Mm -hmm. because nothing like that's happening you're it's it's you against the the clog and you against the trail so when you get to the bottom if someone has put a faster time on you 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 can't say and they just they just beat you fair and square they haven't they've just had a far better run so i think that keeps all any rivalries or anything out of it because you can't you can't put a bad move on someone or rub someone up the wrong way while you're racing them so that's probably part of it and then it just i don't know it just seems to attract a real good bunch of people and i've found out where in general anything to do with bikes obviously with trials as well like the people in the community are generally all really nice dead-on people and you end up with a lot of sort of lifelong friends from mm-hmm. from being around the events and being around the sport i it's amazing i love it i really do i think it's one of the best things about the whole thing you know to be honest is that community yeah 100 percent. like like i said like i've like after this one one year riding mountain bikes i've got a lot of people that were classes probably very good friends like people i'll have a lot of time for like and mm-hmm. like they are they're very very good people and you just have a bit of crack when you're out on your bikes and mm-hmm. people like people that maybe four months ago i had never met before i didn't know anything about them and you'll spend your day all day riding bikes with them having a laugh and having a good time and if something goes wrong if they have a puncher or something happens to their bike or anything like that there you're going to stop or they're going to stop and ask you if it's everything okay do you need a hand or anything along those lines like there's 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 nothing there's no there's no badness in the sport or anything from what i've seen there's no badness in the sport from anyone mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty it's pretty unique man it's very good it's very very good now uh so your season went pretty well overall i'm sure you were really happy with how your first year went um Tell us what happened then at the end of the season. You had a bit of an injury. Yeah, it was quite a bit of a silly one. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Castlewell, and I was coming down, coming down a trail, and I was probably very, probably very fatigued as well at the same time. But I clipped a pedal on a rock, and that's where I don't actually know really what happened after that. I just know I clipped a pedal, and the next thing I knew, I was on the ground. Uh, I got up, and I carried on the rest of the stage, and when I got to the end. I knew it was. It wasn't even that painful because the gashes in my arm were quite deep. But I knew something. I had done something. Like I knew it wasn't as simple as a couple of weak grazes on my on my on my arm. Mm-hmm. So the guys, the guys who were around me at the bottom of the stage, like I think one of the first things someone said was, "Yeah, that's. I'm going to tell you now that needs stitch. That's. There's a lot of blood coming out of that." <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, there was there was no real pain at the time because it's it's effectively. I kind of thought maybe at the start I severed maybe tens in my elbow, my arm, but I seemed to have all my movement and everything. So 
it seems to be a lot of really deep flesh wounds and I had to get a lot of stitches in it. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of maybe got away lightly there at the minute, but it's it's all stitched up. We went, St. John's cleaned it up for me at the event and we, we got a bandage on it and we, we stayed we stayed for the podium and that sort of stuff. And then uh, drove up drove up to Belfast and dropped my friend off and then drove on up the Andrew Mahoney and sat there on Sunday night after the race and uh. got, got cleaned up and stitched up. Probably sat, <laughs> we were sitting, there was obviously a lot of dirt and gravel mm-hmm. and crap in it. So they, uh, she was wiping and trying to wipe all the flesh and the, the hole in my arm with, with, uh. a, with, a, with, a, with a wipe and it wasn't really working and getting anything. So she produced a toothbrush then. Oh, you and are the, joking me. <laughs> I, I was I was sitting in the hospital and the nurse was scrubbing the scrubbing my the hole in my elbow with a with a toothbrush to get oh, all dude, the dirt out of it. <laughs> oh man, what's next? The freaking power wash? Oh, I know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting her to take out like, but she said, "Look, enough, I have a toothbrush, I can get all this out and start start scrubbing away at me." <laughs> That's unreal. Uh, we'll quickly move on from that. What? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what stage did that happen on? That was the, f- the final stage of the day. So oh, not real, too real... bad. All right. We got yeah, we already got through the day, but it was probably the silliest place to do it as well. Thinking most of the day's over, and you just went and done that. But I would say a lot of it was maybe due to being fatigued at the same time, like being very, very, being very tired after a physical event, and and maybe not full concentration or fully riding the bike. Mm-hmm. as it should be maybe sitting down and slouching more in the bike rather than fully attacking and that's how I've clipped the pedal type thing but we were able to because it was in the last stage we were lucky enough we were able to get it to get it finished because I don't think with the amount of blood and stuff that was coming out I don't think if it had been any other stage in the day would have ended up getting finished it would have been straight to a St John's to get it cleaned and bandaged up and probably straight to the hospital at that stage Aye. yeah I don't think they would have let you race maybe yeah, probably. I thought, yeah, if anyone's seen it, yeah, probably not. I probably would have been told to wise up and go Aye. sort that out. Yeah. Yeah, so how did your season finish overall then? Uh, we finished in the first tracks. I think we finished third overall in the series. And then the Gravity Enduro, we finished second overall. But the Gravity Enduro, I missed the first two rounds. So I only rode three out of the five events. Uh-huh. And I think I ended up second 40 points behind the behind the winner of the event so that's probably more that was probably more my my issue there not not making it to the second round and stuff like that there and mm-hmm. caused me not taking the overall but no I, I can't really complain finishing second overall and only riding three out of five events is it's it's all right in my books <laughs> ah, amazing man amazing um it's it's certainly very very cool what you've done do you think your injury is going to knock your confidence or anything, or you, you, can you bounce back from that quite easily? Do you think? I don't think it'll knock. No, I don't think it'll knock my confidence. I'll maybe. I'll, no one in the sport seems to wear elbow pads, even though they're on the market. But I'll maybe put that train of thought into myself in my head to go and maybe buy a set of elbow pads. That if you do go down, it won't. It won't happen again. But I don't think it'll, it definitely won't dent my confidence in what I'm doing. You kind of. Once you get back on the bike and you drop into a trail anywhere like that, those thoughts leave you, and the only thought in your head is how fast you're going to make it down from A to B down down the trail. So mm-hmm. I don't think of any worries there, to be honest. Yeah, and how long are you going to be off the bike? Do you think? Uh, 
this is it'll be two weeks this Sunday and I'm going through a checkup and it depends how it's all healing up. So if it's healed up enough, they might be able to take the stitches out for me and then I'm not sure how long after that it'll be I have to rest it and take it easy in case the wound opens up again. Uh-huh. So it'll probably be a month at least or maybe a bit longer before before I'm able to get back on the bike. But I kind of yeah. got away like I got, I've got honestly I've got away lightly because the way I hit my elbow and the way I land on the ground, it, it could have very easily been a, a broken elbow, which would have been a, a very long term injury and a nasty one to recover from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, are you thinking on next season yet, or is that something that hasn't really crossed crossed your mind yet? No, yeah, definitely. I think after how this year went and how I sort of came into with, I hadn't really any, done any training or any. Fair enough, I had a, a fairly decent fitness level from riding trials and doing my training towards that, and that base fitness level carried in, but. I hadn't done anything specific towards racing mountain bikes or anything like that. So uh, I would like to give next year a real good go at it, like mm-hmm. have a real solid off-season through the winter here and put the training hours in and get the bike time in and then see where that, see what sort of position that puts us in after, after a solid off-season and knowing your body and your fitness level should be there where they, where they need to be for, for racing those type of type of events mm-hmm. um you going to do any gym stuff yeah i've probably been doing a lot of, probably do a lot of gym stuff over the winter yeah and sort of used a lot from riding trials as well to put putting the winter gym gym session in are you going to do mountain bike specific training do you think uh probably i'm not even 100 percent sure yet um i'll probably do a lot of interval work that sort of takes in your sprints and all those really high bursts of energy. I felt like this year that was kind of a big a weakness for me. Mm-hmm. When you're, I felt my base level, my endurance was pretty good. But when you came down a trail and you came on to an uphill sprint on a fire road to link another part of the trail in or anything like that, there that I, my legs after a few seconds were absolutely in pieces. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hold a long, a long period sprinting. And then after that, there when I dropped into the next stage, or the next part of the stage, I was absolutely ragged and like probably wasn't riding as well as it should be so i'm i'm quite lucky in the aspect that my brother curtis who's studying sports science at the university of ulster so he's done a lot of, of placement last year he done a lot of training or done a lot of training programs for various sports across the across the board whether it was irish hockey or all that sort of stuff so i think maybe the two of us might sit down and think about what my weaknesses are and I maybe look at towards what mountain bike specific training is and what plenty of what all the other guys or maybe there's plenty of videos out there of snippets of what the sort of EWS guys do for training and mm-hmm. try and get an, try and get an idea with him and and sit down with him and see if he can put a bit of a, a, a program together which we think might be based towards building towards mountain biking but mm-hmm. I'm not really 100% sure what that's going to involve or or what what all that will be about yet. Yeah. No, well, that's very intelligent. You know, you're going to look at your weaknesses and work on that. Yeah, I you think know. that's like that. Yeah, I think from this season, I was able to look at when I, when I reflect back on the season, I can I can see a lot of the stuff I need to work on, and I understand where I am weak and where I am strong. So I kind of know what I need to improve on over the winter time, and that will hopefully put me in a better position to have a a real 
good go at it and a real mm-hmm. proper proper season at it next year. Have you thought of, or has it crossed your mind, um, of sponsorship or anything for next season? Uh, it has in bits and pieces because obviously it's it can be an expensive discipline. Uh, I'm honestly not really sure how it all works in the mountain bike mm-hmm. world. I have experience of it in, in trials and my trials background with maybe people help me out and guys getting help out with bikes and gear and covering the cost of stuff but i'm not sure how it works yet in the in the mountain bike world whether you're supposed to approach people or people approach you or, or how it all goes together but yeah definitely it was if, it, if it's kind of i don't know what position i'm in yeah i've had a one really good year but i probably not i'm not that well known yet to see if anyone would approach me or mm-hmm. deride for them or ride for their shop or on their brand or anything like that yet so i'm not I'm definitely open to it, like because at the minute it's me, myself, and I. So, Aye. yeah, there's. I'm definitely open to, open to all, any opportunity that comes along yet. So I just need to see what happens and if anything does come along or present itself to me. Well, if the tribe podcast had a team up and running, I'd definitely be approaching you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope, hopefully, with a few listeners on here, that maybe afterwards I'll uh-huh. If anyone does who does want to help me out, feel free to give me a shout. Exactly. So all I'm saying is, anybody out there that has the power to sponsor, get them before I get them, because <laughs> you're you're going to lose a podium there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you think it would help? Do you think sponsor would help? The sponsors would help you. Yeah, hundred percent. Like someone, if you're writing for a shop that's maybe been around the sport or anything like that, there. It allows you that knowledge, like someone has more knowledge of a bike and how a bike should be set up and like suspension set up. Because I think, mm-hmm. I personally think if you have someone who's maybe a, a suspension whiz, they can set, help you set your suspension up for certain events or to what it really needs to be working for your for your type of riding. That'll be a massive advantage for you. And then yeah. aside from that, any, any help you're getting, through maybe whatever if it's if it's help with bikes or gear or maybe injuries or anything like that there that kind of frees money up or money that you have yourself to maybe try and put money into anything else wherever it might be travel like try and travel the uk like, to british rounds maybe like what i've done with trials and give them a go and see what sort of position you're in there or maybe go and try and go to any ws or something like that there and experience make have an experience there so yeah definitely i think Hang, any any form of help definitely is, is positive. Yeah, and what do you think in your future plans, Chris? Do you think would you love to do an, an EWS in Europe or somewhere like that? Yeah, definitely would love to give it a go. Like, I was actually we're looking at one stage there. There's there's a thing. There's a four round European series, which is more. It isn't EWS, but it's just a European based series. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a round of it in Scotland this year. So if there was something like that in the UK again, uh, I would definitely be up for going over there and experiencing that. And then it also then gives you an opportunity to see where you are against those sorts of people. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we probably have that. We have that here as well because when you're racing back home and the gravity events, you have a lot of guys who are racing in EWS events and all that there. So you can kind of figure out where you are from those guys and they're racing the world championship and, understand how fast you are or where you would need to be if if that's the sort of path you wanted to take 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, do you mind me asking what age you are, Chris? I've just turned twenty-four. So right, you're you're only a young fella yet. Uh, young, young enough yet? Yeah, yeah. I like, you know, your future plans. Have you thought about that in mountain biking? Is it something you would maybe want a career in, or you know, if how I are ever, you thinking about that? Uh, I don't know, but probably as someone who's rode motorbikes and rode all that growing up, I think when you're around any form of two wheeled sport growing up your main objective and main goal in your head is maybe always I want to be a world champion so mm. I don't think that ever leaves you no matter what you do so probably if the opportunity ever came around or if I was ever ever even capable of being that level of rider or, that, or, or fast enough to be at that sort of level if I was ever able to get there and that opportunity ever arised I would definitely wouldn't turn it down I don't think very many people would turn it down to, mm-hmm. to take a you kind of live your dream for maybe if it's only a year or two years i don't think i would turn down the opportunity to go and live my dream and ride any form of if it's a bicycle or a motorbike or anything full time it's mm-hmm. it's not something you could you could really walk away from yeah yeah definitely have you any near future plans are you going to update your bike or are you going to plan any trips abroad or anything like that do you think i'm actually going out to i think there's a few of us are planning to go to nathan's to his oh, enduro awesome. malaga stuff yeah so and i think it's the end of november so that'll allow us to get away from all the miserable weather here and get over into some maybe hopeful fingers crossed dry and sunny conditions uh-huh. to ride the, ride the bikes for for four days so that's the plan there and then on the bike front and at the minute i have i have no plans maybe i've kind of maybe thought in my head my bike at the minute is a 27.5 inch wheels. I think I would like to maybe try uh, a 29er. Mm-hmm. Because just from just from watching various people at events, they just seem to, on the flat, more flat, ready type stuff, they carry more speed. So I think it's definitely, that's a that's an easy advantage to, to take and, and grab hold of if you can have that, if you can ride one of those bikes. But mm-hmm. I think for the meantime, I'll probably be stick to my own bike and ride it for the next while unless anything, anything, present itself as an opportunity if anyone comes along or from a shop and mm. uh, asks me to ride for them or anything like that there I'll be stick to what I know for now and, and I'll stick for it maybe over the winter time until until we uh, come closer to race season and then maybe think about changing into something else or mm-hmm. or seeing what's on the market so, and, I haven't thought about all that too much yet so to, be yeah. honest, to be honest no um, do you see uh, most of the guys riding 29ers Uh quite a lot of them quite a lot, I think quite a lot of the guys who are in elites are around 29ers for sure they've seen an advantage in it like and mm-hmm. and moved over to it and it is if if you're riding down a trail which has a lot of bumps and divots in it or and it's really wet and ready the bigger wheels definitely they definitely carry through it a lot quicker like than the smaller wheels are able to they're able to carry more more momentum through the trail so I think there's definitely an advantage there and an advantage when you're pedaling up or pedaling on a fire route. Obviously, it's a it's a bigger wheel, so less turns of your cranks to cover a certain distance with that bigger wheel as well. So mm-hmm. I think when you've when you've got that opportunity for that to take that advantage, you kind of you have to grasp it. So, Aye. yeah, very interesting. 
It's interesting to see how that whole thing will pan out in the industry, you know, if 27.5 will maybe die out a bit or yeah, if they'll it's... just be available on smaller bikes. You you know, it's hard to know. Eh? Yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know whether they should maybe put rules in and stop the development of that going crazy. But I, it's hard to know because if, as soon as you start doing that there, you start you start stopping the technology progression. So yeah. they at the minute they're going through all the wheel sizes and even there in the downhill they're riding twenty nine fronts and twenty seven and a half rears mm-hmm. and all that there. So there's a lot of progression technology wise and if that's that's pushing the sport on massively as well. So it's it's hard to know because you could put rules on it and so everyone's riding same wheel size, same this and put a more of an advantage onto it. But then the same aspect, some people enjoy riding 29ers and some people hate riding 29ers they might prefer riding a 27 and a half so mm-hmm. that's personal preference as well as well then. yeah no i think it's good the way it is at the minute you know because where does that kind of stop you have to have a certain amount of travel on your bike you know you have to have an aluminium bike or you have to have a carbon bike or yeah. you know what i mean it's crazy it would yeah it would definitely it would definitely stop the technology progression in the sport so i, I don't think they can i think they have oh. to let it give them a free range with no rules and let them kind of go mad and try the stuff out because that's how you're mm-hmm. gonna kind of gonna grow the sport even more sure sure um so chris before i let you go there sir um how can people you know best keep up to date and get in contact uh probably the easiest options on instagram and that's chris brown dot one two is my is my instagram name uh mm-hmm. i have a i have a facebook page as well which is chris brown but I'm kind of unlucky with my name. If you search for on Facebook for Chris Brown, you, you get <laughs> there's a there's a certain singer comes up a lot more than a lot more than me. So you have to you have to dig through a lot of people to find me on there. So on Instagram, it's probably the easiest option with, with Chris Brown You can you can just search directly and find me directly with Flynn. Cool, <laughs> man. Cool. Well, listen, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been great um, getting to know you and having a chat with you. And as I say, I think what you've done there this season is outstanding and uh once i heard that and once i've seen a few of your posts and stuff i just i want to have a chat with you and i wanted to get you on the show and i know you listen to the podcast and stuff so thanks man for getting involved it's been awesome to get you on no thank you very much for inviting me on like like i said i've, I've listened to all the podcasts I, I sit and i sit and work and listen to the various podcasts to find out information and learn a lot about about the sport as well like so thank you very much for for the invite you're more than welcome and i hope i can get something in line and get an mtb tribe team up and going because <laughs> i'm calling you dude i'm calling you that would be pretty cool eh? so <laughs> definitely definitely open to that <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff good stuff well listen good luck for next season brat i hope everything goes well and i hope your your arm heals up and stuff like that and your season training goes really well because i think you hitting those trails that you know um, second time around or whatever and, and I'm sure you'll get back onto them before the race season comes around again but um, I think it'll give you a, a real real advantage again so good luck bro I hope everything goes well for you yeah thank you very much and hopefully it all sort of pans out we can put it all together and have an even better 2020 aye well your new blood your new blood in the scene and it's always good it pushes those other boys on you know yeah it pushes everyone on and I think pushes me on as well when you see all those sorts of guys in the scene so hopefully it, hopefully it all works out good stuff Chris thanks so much sir have a great evening and same to you Gareth thank you 
That's a wrap for episode 106, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the show. And Chris, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed getting to know you and our chat. Uh, you've had a great season, young man, and I hope it continues in 2020. So good luck in the off-season, good luck with your injury, and everything like that. Now, guys, if you want to know a little more about Chris, just simply go to the show notes. You will find them at mtb-tribe.com. Just search for Chris's name or his episode number 106, and they will pop up there. Now, you will get links to Chris's social media stuff there and easy access to listen to the show. You'll also find a wee bit more about WeChat about there and things like that. Now, if you want to support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, you can also find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify or Podbean. We also have a website, as you probably know, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show, and it's completely free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also get involved on social media, at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Take screenshots and help share the show. And if you want to help the show a lot, folks, just word of mouth is the best way. Let some of your friends know that the show's out there and that they may be interested and may like to listen. And uh, let's try and promote this Irish scene a little bit more. We've got great characters, we've got great racers, great riders, we've got great facilities, great trails. We have it all in this country. It's unbelievable. So let's try and promote it and push it out there a little bit more. So thanks, folks, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. That's all we have for you this week. But join me next week for another MTB Tribe podcast. Until then, get the bike out, get out in the trails, and stay MTB stoked. <laughs>